When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck and Jerry is here. (laughs) And this is one of the greatest episodes we'll ever do, as far as I'm concerned. Squirrels. All I really want is squirrels. I've been doing that all day. <laughs> it's wonderful. That is so wonderful. It is. That song isn't, but, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you go back and listen to BC Boys, you're like, wow. They've, they've come a long way, though, in <laughs> renouncing that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're talking not about the BC Boys, surprisingly. We're talking about squirrels. In the morning, it's squirrels. Every evening, it's squirrels. Squirrels. Two syllables, right? I don't care. However you want to say it. They're if you're from New York, it's squirrel. Beings. Sure. Or Boston, I guess probably they say it similarly as well. Yeah. But if you want to get fancy, you can bust out their Latin name. They're uh, members of the rodent order, but for, for their family, they're Squiridae. Skuridae. Nope. Skuridae. <laughs> I looked this one up. <laughs> All right. Sierradae. I like mine more. Okay. Did you just toot on my uh, pronunciation? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even though it was correct. Did you give me a Bronx cheer? <laughs> how How is it? Sierradai? Well, let me do the person online. Sierradai. Okay. Is that Emma who said that? Or Sierradai was another, but I think we've heard from people that D-A-E is die. Okay, and uh, that's fine um, if that's what it's called. I... I I'm just going to call them squirrels from now on. But there's actually exactly. like 300 species of squirrels. <clears throat> and it's it's kind of hard to wrap your head around because usually if you live in a place with squirrels, meaning you live on a continent outside of Antarctica. Yeah, like everywhere basically. There are probably a lot of squirrels living around you and they probably all look basically exactly alike. Because it seems like when they fill an ecological niche, brother, they fill it. And it, there's not much room for competing species, it seems like, from my experience. Yeah. I mean, there are – uh, who helped us with this? Was this Ed? This is a Grabster. Yeah. So, Grabster uh, points out that, you know, you can find mountain squirrels and city squirrels and mm-hmm. forest squirrels and jungle squirrels and desert squirrels. You can find squirrels in Alaska that – hibernate with the the lowest body temperature of any mammal 
They have body temperatures below freezing at times. That's so cool. You can go to Africa and find one of the cutest squirrels, the African pygmy squirrel, uh-huh. which is a, as small as a tiny little mouse. Or you can go to Bhutan and find the giant flying squirrel of Bhutan that with their head and body and uh, is, is over two feet long with that tail. They're huge. No, two feet long without the tail. They're oh, without the tail, yes. They're Sorry. distressingly large. Yeah, because the squirrel tail, we'll get into this, but that's one of their signature features generally, although depending on the species, because there are 300 species, like you said, more yeah. than, uh, or almost uh, 300. Some of those tails are a little diminished, but usually when you think squirrel, you think of that big bushy tail. Yeah, and, and not only when you think of squirrel, you think of the tail, but the Greeks themselves. Or at the oh, very yeah. least, somebody decided that a Greek term would make sense, but skurios or skurios, uh, which roughly means something like shadow tail. Ed says shady butt. I also saw shadow tail, which is <laughs> a reference to how squirrels sometimes hide in the shadow cast by their own tail. It's pretty, pretty clever. But the squirrel is usually kind of the bushy tail of the squirrel is what makes a squirrel a squirrel. One of the other things that really differentiates it from other rodents is the way that its jaw and muscle are attached to its skull. There's actually a name for it, Seriomorphous zygomasoteric system. Hey, look at you. Hooked on phonics works for me. <laughs> you even recorded the new pronunciation. That's right. <laughs> you worked it right in there with the Syria die. I adapted. <laughs> yeah, because you should have heard it before when I was workshopping it. That was the first take, everybody. We're not lying. So um, so uh, those are two things that really kind of differentiate squirrels. But as we've really um, gotten better and better at, at taxonomy with the introduction of um, uh, genome mapping, sure, we can see like, oh, this animal that doesn't look anything like this animal is actually really closely related. Mm-hmm. And with as with just about every other animal we've studied using modern genetic um, taxonomy, um, squirrels, are, our understanding of squirrels has really kind of changed shape of who's related to whom, uh, who's descended from who. But there's there, we're kind of going to go the old school way, which is differentiating them based on their habitat and their behavior. So there's three groups of squirrels that we're going to cover, even though there's technically five subfamilies now. Ground squirrels, tree squirrels, and flying squirrels. And before we go any further, I officially dedicate this episode to Momo, one of the great <laughs> lovers of squirrels of all time, who changed changed me and my heart yeah. towards squirrels. I used to be a squirrel hater, Chuck. Do you remember? Love squirrels. You remember? Oh, yeah, the bird feeder. Momo pointed out to me, said, Dad... Squirrels are great. I'm going to teach you to love them, and she did. Yeah, dogs and squirrels. It's uh, what was the Disney? Uh, it was either Pixar or Disney had an animated uh, movie where the dog would just stop and go squirrel anytime there's a squirrel. I can't remember which one it was. I don't remember. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, But before we move on to ground squirrels, uh, it is kind of fun to learn that because of that DNA. Uh, analysis that we now have at our fingertips and fossil evidence, we know that squirrels uh, went to Western North America 35 to 40 million years ago mm-hmm. because squirrels like to get around, as we will see. They crossed a land bridge to mm-hmm. Eurasia about 10 million le- uh, years after that. And then as soon as they could, as soon as Eurasia met up with Africa about 20 million years ago, they went, all right, we're in Africa now too. 
because squirrels like to get around. They, yeah. uh, as you will see, um, well, we'll just tease that and say squirrels like to get around. Yeah, I mean, you put one tree next to another, squirrel's going to go from tree to tree. Yeah. Put another tree, squirrel's going to go the next tree. And if you put trees all the way across one continent to another, uh-huh. they're going to migrate. That's just what they do, and that's what they did. But if I thought I loved squirrels before, now that I know that they're actually native from 35 million years back to North America, yeah. I just think that's t- that's just the tops. Yeah, and we talked about it before when you were uh, having your bird feeder issue, but— you know, Atlanta is a city in the forest, and mm-hmm. we have tons and tons and tons of squirrels, uh, kind of everywhere along the East Coast does. But Atlanta just has a lot of squirrels. And as I was reading, you know, from my upstairs office, mm-hmm. there's a window not right in front of my face, but sort of above me. And our huge, big, beautiful oak in our front yard, I'm doing this on squirrels. Yeah. I just look up for a second. And I see four squirrels running around that tree together, playing, <laughs> like circling it like a barber pole. Yeah. I take my daughter to school this morning, and I count the squirrels that I see on the way. I counted 22 squirrels that I just saw on a, you know, 12-minute car ride. You hit one of them. There, <laughs> I have before. It's the worst thing ever. It is the worst. Uh, but they're everywhere in Atlanta, and it hit me a while ago about how easy it is living here just to, or anywhere where there's a lot of squirrels mm-hmm. just to sort of be like, yeah, the squirrels. But it kind of hit me like how crazy it is that there are these little mammals. They're not hiding in holes generally like mice and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they're just out all over the place at all times. We're surrounded by, by these little mammals. Yeah. Out and proud. And if you come close too close to one of their trees, when you're walking by and the squirrel doesn't like it, he's going to sit there or she uh, and chatter at you and basically tell you to beat it, you punk. Get away yeah. from my tree. That's how, that's one of the great lovable things about squirrels. They have such huge personalities. They're just so great, Chuck. I got, I remember my famous squirrel attack not too long ago. Uh, when, that, when I went outside, I got it on my doorbell camera and that uh-huh. squirrel leapt through the air and hit me in the leg. <laughs> uh, it was a complete accident, of course. I don't think the squirrel was trying to kill me, but you don't know. They're just, they're all over the place. We're going to get to all the fun stuff about the the black squirrels of New York and why squirrels stop in the middle of the road when they go to cross the street. Like there, we found reasons for all this stuff, which I love. It's not that squirrels are dumb, and we're going to reveal all that in this episode. Okay, I'm a little excited. I'm a little worked up. I know it's a tad early, but <laughs> I say we take our first break. Okay, we yeah. are so squirrel positive that I mean, it's a great way to put it, Chuck. All right, so are we taking a break? I say. All right. I need to calm down, too. And I guarantee you I'm going to go, like, blow my nose in the other room. I'm going to see a squirrel. (laughs) I'll be right back. All right. Game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. 
Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Hey, everybody. If you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. You start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A dot com. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. All right, Chuck, so as promised, we're going to break squirrels down into three groups, ground, tree, uh, flying, or aerial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- I propose that we start with the ground squirrel. Sure. Many uh, species of which you probably, not you, but I mean you, dear listener, and me all include too, mm-hmm. uh, didn't realize were actual squirrels. Like yeah, I didn't a know either. Groundhog, Chuck? Mm-hmm. Did not know that was a squirrel. Chipmunk? I had a feeling that might be a squirrel. Gosh, they're so great, too. Yeah, I love uh, chipmunks. What about a uh, uh, groundhog? You already said groundhog. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I I'm love in just, a list of four things. I'm swirling. I'm swirling still <laughs> in my love of squirrels. Prairie How dog. About, 
Yeah, well, that's what was coming out of my mouth next. A prairie okay. dog. Yeah, prairie dog. Didn't know that. What about that? M- meerkat? D- I didn't know that. Well, that's because they're not. But uh, oh, okay. <laughs> prairie dogs, chipmunks, and um, what was the other one I Marmots. said? Marmots. Yeah, marmots. And I had brought them in. And groundhogs. Those are all ground squirrels. They're squirrels, friends. Um, and that makes them pretty awesome. But one of the reasons why they you wouldn't think they're squirrels is because... And a lot of those species, they lack that characteristic bushy tail. Yeah. But then also, they uh, live a, almost a totally different life from their tree-dwelling, more famous cousins. Yeah, I mean, they might climb a tree, but generally, you're not going to see a groundhog or a prairie dog up in the tree. If they need if they need to, you know, for a brief time, uh, if they're trying to find food or something, or uh, like on the run from something trying to kill it, they might go up in a tree. But they generally hang out on the ground, hence the name. Yeah. Yeah. They love their rocky terrain. Uh, chipmunks, for just speaking for them, are pretty solitary uh, unless they're trying to reproduce. Yep. But uh, I know that you found some stuff. Was it on the prairie dogs that, that have their big families and colonies? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the main characteristics of of ground squirrels in general, aside from a couple, but that they're much more communal than tree squirrels. And in particular, the largest um, town, a prairie dog town is what they're called. The largest prairie dog town on record is in Texas because, of course, everything's bigger there. Mm-hmm. But it was a colony of black-tailed prairie dogs. And this town, Chuck, stretched 100 miles wide wow. by 250 miles long and contained 400 million prairie dogs. Oh, my gosh. Again, ground squirrels, all living in this kind of large community. Jeez. I mean, that's like, that's like a Chinese megacity or something like that times 10. Yeah. So are these the ones that tend to stay uh, grouped with their own sex? Uh, no. Those tend to be either tree squirrels or flying squirrels. These are more th- the the um, because they live in in communal groups mm-hmm. and kinship is a big deal. Uh, ground squirrels like prairie dogs tend to have a really good ability to scent to smell the scent of other. Uh, ground squirrels, so they can tell, like, who's a blood relation, who's not. Oh, okay. And they've done studies to see, you know, if a, gr- like, if a ground squirrel, they have a lot of really sophisticated calls, too, because they're alerting others to the presence of a rattlesnake or a hawk or something. Right. So they're really talkative, and they're, they have a lot of uh, sophisticated different communication. Um, and they found that, a, a, like, a prairie dog that will stand up and, and take the time to m- risk its own life to mm-hmm. alert others, it's actually alerting the others that it's alerting are actually related by blood. And the the groundhog or the prairie dog knows this because it can smell its blood relations among all these other, you know, extended family members in the town. There's not much cuter than a squirrel sitting up on its rear haunches. Yeah. Uh, Whether it's, I mean, obviously those prairie dogs, you know, they do it for a living, but uh, even our (laughs) eastern gray squirrels sit up on those back legs if they want to. Yeah work a, a nut with their little front paw pads. Yeah, or a chipmunk on its back legs. It's, uh, it doesn't get much cuter than that. Those little busy hands. Goodness me. Yeah. All right, so we can move on to our tree squirrel. This is, uh, they're known as uh, arboreal squirrels, obviously, because they are tree squirrels. And this is, when you're talking your eastern gray squirrel, this is not a groundhog. This is not a prairie dog. This is your dyed-in-the-wool, cute little fluffy-tailed, 
sort of, you know, they're called gray, but they're sort of a light brownish color generally, although the colors do range, as we'll mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are the ones that you're going to find all over Atlanta, jumping around, climbing around, leaping at podcasters in their <laughs> uh, front lawn. Yeah, uh, They spend most of the time, uh, I mean, you see them on the ground plenty, but they live in trees. They nest in trees uh, called drays or uh, drays or drays, spelled with mm-hmm. an E or an A. Right. Um, and you probably, if you've ever looked up and seen a mass of like sticks and twigs in a, a leafless tree in the middle of winter, you're looking at a squirrel's nest called a dray. Um, and this is where you were you were asking about them um, staying in like same sex groups. Mm-hmm. Apparently, in the winter, um, even though the the tree squirrel does not live in a communal society like a ground squirrel does. It's they're still social. They still interact with one another. They play. They chase. They chase one another off. They like mate. Um, but when it gets really cold, uh, tree squirrels will um, kind of group their heat together by staying in a, a dray communally, up to like thirty members. Yeah, that's um, adorable. Yeah, it is very adorable. I, I want to do a little exercise here, real quick, Chuck. Okay. Um, I want you to use your imagination. Mm-hmm. My eyes are closed. Imagine a, a very cold winter day, mm, the wind's blowing, mm-hmm. snow's being carried on the wind, mm-hmm. and it's passing by just outside a woodpecker hole. Okay. And we're inside that woodpecker hole. And I it's love it. Dark. The light is very, very faint because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of an overcast, snowy day to begin with. But we're also inside a tree in an old woodpecker hole. Yeah, and yeah. it's lined with a bunch of different leaves. Mm-hmm. And there's half a dozen or so squirrels all kind of snuggled mm-hmm. together, sleeping, sharing their warmth as the winter day passes by outside mm-hmm. and they snooze an afternoon <laughs> away, fat on acorns that they all just ate. Oh, boy. Isn't that amazing? I almost fell asleep. You're real Robert Frost, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. That was something I li- else. I like to think Robert Redford crossed with Robert <laughs> Frost, but sure. Well, you know, Robert Redford, if you look in the mirror, but Robert Frost when you pick a pen up. With the touch of Robert Goulet. <laughs> if you sang it, surely. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man, that really did almost put me to sleep. Um, <laughs> that's quite nice. I love that scene. So here's a little fun adaptation that squirrels have. If you see a tree squirrel running down a tree face first mm-hmm. with uh, with little uh, resistance, just like it was made to do it. It's because right. it is. Yeah. And they have those little claws, of course, that really helps. But if you look closely, uh, or if you look up a picture, rather, and you see like a still image, you will notice mm-hmm. that they have the ability to, and Ed says they can turn their feet around. They really kind of just turn their whole back legs around backwards yeah. to where those claws are gripping on the way down and that's why they're you know it's like the perfect adaptation to be able to run up and down a tree so um have you ever watched one do that up close sure so anytime i've seen that there if you look their legs because they're turned around it kicks kind of their elbows out a little bit Uh uh-huh and though they climb down it looks a little different and i've noticed that it triggers the part of my lizard brain that's like a, a spider alert uh-huh. That's like that comes that it's that's triggered by that. So it, it's like a giant furry spider is coming down to some little part of my brain that sends off an alarm, and it's really off-putting sometimes wow. until I, you know, the uh-huh. the larger part, the executive functioning part of my brain is like it's a squirrel. Don't worry. But there's that one just zap of like this is weird and scary for a second. But it happens to me from time to time when they come down the the 
the tree like that? Well, it can be a little startling, you know, if you're going to take out the trash or something and your trash can is next to a big live oak like ours is and and mm-hmm. there are two or more squirrels that are they seem like I don't know what they're doing. They seem like they have a beef with one another, but maybe <laughs> yeah. they're just playing chase. But when they're really boogieing up and down and around a tree, uh, right as you walk upon it, it, is, it can be a little bit like, oh, okay. I read that when one was chasing the other, um, it's a part of the mating ritual. Oh, okay. So that's that's uh, embarrassing for them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't I don't know if that's across the board, but I saw that in at least one place. All right. I like knowing that. Yeah. Um, here's another cool thing about squirrels. They have all kinds of squirrels have scent glands. And it depends on the species where that scent gland is located. It can be uh, near their little bum hole. It can be near their mouth, in the corners of their mouth. Uh, can be on their back. But in the case of the tree squirrel, um, they have their scent glands on their feet and sweat glands on the bottom of their feet. And they are a squirrel that buries their uh, their food over large, large areas, sometimes like up to 25 acres uh, mm-hmm. can be their habitat where they're burying and hiding food. And they are literally, every time they walk to bury something, they're leaving a little scent trail that they can go back and pick up, ideally. Uh, but it's not a perfect system. Sometimes they will lose stuff and not be able to go back. But what they have then done is planted a tree. Yeah, which brings up their huge ecological role, um, which is like planting new forests, like keeping forests healthy by forgetting about nuts. And the nut is actually a seed and it grows into a new tree that the squirrel helped move away from the tree. It's amazing. Expanding the, its range. They're known as the gardeners of the forest. Yeah, and we ta- we did a whole short stuff on squirrels bearing nuts. And I remember one of the things that came up was um, there was a study that found that if they if they know they're being watched by another squirrel, they'll fake dig a hole and then won't drop the nut in it oh, and then right. we'll go somewhere else and mislead a squirrel that's, that yeah. they think is watching them. Yeah, they'll look around first and be like, did anyone see that? <laughs> yeah. I think I'm good. Todd was watching. <laughs> I better not drop the nut in this hole. He, he'll come along. Uh, so that's what the, 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 the I'm sorry, not the flying, but the, the tree squirrels, that's how they use their scent. The ground squirrels, we should say, uh, mainly use their scent glands to mark their territory and, you know, because they're all about their clan or their colony to sort of mark their territory and find out if someone is a part of their clan. Yeah. And then also, um, as far as scents go, I saw some somewhere that some kinds of ground squirrels that are uh, prey to rattlesnakes will actually find shed rattlesnake skin and rub it on themselves. Oh, wow. They'll chew it up and rub it on themselves to give themselves a rattlesnake scent to throw off rattlesnakes. That's they camouflage pretty- <laughs> their scent. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder if they ever wear it and just, like, fashion a couple of holes and stick their arms <laughs> right. through. Yeah, and they brag that they killed it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you—oh, man, I shouldn't even mention this. Yeah, I'm going to mention it. Have you—because it is, it is uh, roadkill, but have you ever seen the pictures of the squirrel roadkill with the little G.I. Joe action figures? No. Just <laughs> look it up. I, I can— they aren't squirrels that someone killed. It's it's someone will take a roadkill picture of a squirrel uh-huh. Uh-huh. and they'll take the little G.I. Joe figures as if they were big game hunters okay. and they'll have their guns and they'll have like one leg up on the squirrel's head uh-huh. as if it was their trophy. And it, the squirrel looks positively giant next right. to the little action figures. And it's kind of funny. I'll have to check that one out. I don't want to encourage people. Maybe I shouldn't have even said anything. Well, I don't know if you're encouraging people to like swerve onto a squirrel, you know. There's I, I probably know. Or, just that one guy. Or kill a squirrel to do that. But maybe just no, look no. it up on the internet if you want to see that. Don't recreate it. 
If you kill a squirrel and we find out about it, we're coming to your house. I, I know. Okay. With the ghost of that squirrel. Yeah. That we'll introduce oh, to your attic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so have we moved on to flying squirrels yet? Yeah, let's do it. Those are, you know, the old story when we had one growing up for a little while. Uh, you probably don't remember, but my uncle gave us his flying squirrel to watch for a while. And he would mm-hmm. leap from the curtains on the other side of the room onto my shoulder and then wow. when we went out of town, apparently they said the squirrel got out. But now that I'm an adult, I realize that the cat ate the squirrel. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, just to recap that childhood trauma. That's, wow. Okay. But for a little while, we had a, a flying squirrel in our home. <laughs> for a brief shining moment. That's the upshot. So a flying squirrel, I, I, and I thought this, I thought they were fairly rare. Um, apparently, they're as common as uh, tree squirrels in some places. The reason that you think they're rare is because they're nocturnal. So mm-hmm. we're usually sleeping when they're out and about. I love thinking about those things just flying around all night. Yeah, and flying is right, man. I saw, um, Ed says that they can glide up to 150 feet. I saw 300 in some cases. Wow. And that's what they're doing. They're gliding. They're not flying. They have no means of, like, propulsion. But they have a skin flap. They've evolved a skin flap that is, um, you know, the bat suit that people, like, yeah. you know, skydive with. Uh-huh. That's, that is based basically 100% on the the flying squirrel's membranes between its um, front legs and, and hind legs um, that it can, you know, spread out when it jumps and it just catches the air and... They can move it this way and that and use their tail as a rudder and go 150 feet in a pretty purposeful direction, too. Did you say what the name of the flap was? No. Do you want to? No, I'd probably screw it up. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, patagium. That's great. I, I wonder what they call that. Patagium. <laughs> I wonder what they call that in the, uh, in the flying suit biz, extreme flying suit biz. I don't know. And I think they call them bat suits, but that's that's a misnomer if you ask me. Those, I got to say, I mean, I'm not into any of that stuff. I would never do it. But those videos are amazing. And it's oh, I know. As, as close as humans have come, I think, to flying, it, it feels like. Agreed. I Yeah, I would have to have probably a, a lobotomy to, um, to actually try that. It would take that radical of a personality change <laughs> for me to try it. Well, and I mean, sure, that kind of thing. That's the most extreme, like years and years of training. Yes. Uh, skydiving training and stuff like that. You don't like just running, jump into a bat suit. No, 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 definitely not. But even if you do, you know, once you get to that point, like I can't imagine how dangerous that is. You know, if you smack into something, you're going really fast. Yeah, yeah, you're toast. Yeah. And that crazy. happens, sadly. But I, I get the impression that it's the the rush is worth the risk. That's right. Uh, and speaking of risk, there are endangered flying squirrels, uh, the Carolina Northern Flying Squirrel. And we talked a little bit about these little land bridges that are starting to pop up in the United States over overpasses and, and freeway crossings. Yeah. And I just read today there's one in, in L.A. that's opening up. That's like 160 feet wide. I can't remember the name of it. It's named after someone. Mm-hmm. And to allow uh, cougars and, you know, mountain lions to pass and all kinds of animals. And they're using, you know, they have done studies uh, for squirrels and that they found tagged, like radio tagged squirrels are foraging and building on the other side of these massive freeways thanks to these bridges. Like it's been proven to work. Yeah, for sure. 
I think it's called the Robert Evans Memorial Animal <laughs> Land Bridge. Baby. <laughs> yeah, if only. <laughs> so um, that actually kind of leads us to a quote I ran across, Chuck. Um, because if you put, like I was saying, if you can kind of connect a tree to another tree, which really ties into that rewilding episode because you're you're using you're connecting core to core via corridor basically is what what they're doing with that um that there was an old saying that before well not too long ago i think in into the 18th century maybe even early 19th century that there was so many chestnut trees in in north america that a squirrel could make it from maine to georgia without ever touching the ground yeah where did we cover that in was it i i don't remember I remember that factoid. That's a great one. So um, it, it it really kind of goes to show, like, there, there used to be a lot more forest in the United States, but there were also a lot more squirrels because there's a, there's a positive correlation between mast-producing trees, which are um, chestnut, beech, oak, mm-hmm. um, trees that produce nuts that squirrels and other um, forest animals eat, um, and the number and population density of squirrels in an area. You have a lot of mass-producing trees, you're going to have a lot of squirrels because, again, they fill their ecological niche to basically bursting. Yeah, and they, you know, bursting with food because uh, they are opportunistic eaters is what Ed says, Mm -hmm. and that's a pretty good way to say it because while they, well, obviously, if they can get fruit or nuts and seeds, that's the stock of their diet, but they will eat whatever keeps them alive. They will eat insects and fungus, and they actually spread fungus, which is great. Yeah. Uh, they eat roots. They have they have found little tiny eggs and little tiny birds and little tiny lizards in the guts of squirrels. Yeah. Uh, so they, you know, technically are omnivores, um, which is just to say squirrels are remarkable at staying alive, and they will eat your garbage. They will eat whatever yeah. they need to. But that's only if they're not finding the nuts and the seeds and stuff like that, which there yeah. are generally plenty plenty of in the United States. And one reason that they're, um, they're suited for nuts or that nuts are suited for them is because they have uh, two sets of incisors, I believe an up and a down is the technical term, and they grow constantly throughout their lifetime. I think they grow something like, is this even possible that I'm seeing it, six inches a year? <laughs> well, I mean, they're constantly grinding them down, so... I think if a squirrel was in a coma, they could have six-inch fangs. That's crazy. And then apparently if they don't continuously grind them down and they kept growing, they would grow through the top and the bottom of their face, all of Lisa Simpson, that time she needed braces. <laughs> but that's crazy. So they, they use these very, very hard nuts like a mm-hmm. chestnut or pecan or walnut shell to impart as it's a food source, but as they're getting to the food source, they're keeping their teeth ground down, which apparently they have to do all the time. That's pretty amazing. Uh, Squirrels also like a little sweet treat every now and then. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have found red squirrels in Maine that will tap sugar maple trees. They make little bite marks in the tree, and then they just say, all right, do your thing, and they come back a few days later, and that trap has uh, hardened up and run out a little bit, and that is just a, a little tiny sweet treat for a squirrel. That's right. It was pretty awesome. They also found that um, squirrels can learn by observing other squirrels doing something, particularly finding new ways to get food. They're adept at that. Oh, okay. So they see Todd doing something, mm-hmm. and they say, not a bad idea. Let's give that a shot. Yeah. That Todd really came around. 
Yeah, and if you'll notice, I think we kind of skipped over this. If we didn't mention Australia, uh, squirrels, I think, used to be in Australia, but aren't so much now. And is it a mystery, or is it just the obvious that the Australians were like, soup's on, mate? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see that anywhere, but I know that they introduced the eastern gray and then in Perth, they introduced the Indian palm, which is like if you mash together an eastern gray squirrel and a chipmunk, that it would be an Indian palm yeah. squirrel. But apparently, they both died out. I don't know if it's a mystery or not, like you're saying. But supposedly, there's some feral colonies that escape from zoos, at least in Perth. So there are wild squirrels in Australia, but they were introduced... Uh, in the 19th century, which is okay. actually a trend, as we'll see. But I, I say before we uh, we tackle all that, we take a break. How about that? All right. Well, we'll take the break, and we'll talk about squirrel migration right after this. All right. Game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Hey, everybody. If you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. You start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A.com. <laughs> If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. 
That's right, it's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep, again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Okay, Chuck, so as I was saying, like, Back before pre-colonial days in particular, but also even into the 19th century, I think even the 1960s, there were reports of massive numbers of squirrels basically stampeding. Yeah. They call them squirrel migrations, and they have been documented uh, enough times that it's, it's not an anomaly, but they are fairly rare. And today, uh, they've kind of figured out that there aren't dense enough populations of squirrels to ever have a genuine, uh. like, squirrel stampede like they had before. But there there used to be so many of them that every once in a while, thousands to tens of thousands to tens to tens of thousands of squirrels would pass generally in, like, a big wave uh, over an area. And apparently it was quite a thing to see. I imagine it was. And this happened because uh, there would just be a really big fruitful year for squirrel food, Mm -hmm. tons of availability. And they would, you know, they would boom in numbers because they go to where the food is. And usually if that is followed by, or I guess historically, when that was followed by a really bad year, um, like the rain, you know, didn't work out so great for producing (laughs) uh, nuts and seeds and stuff and fruit, that all of a sudden you've got a ton of squirrels in an area that are all looking around going, oh, what's the deal? Uh, and they're opportunists, so they said, all right, we're getting out of here. We're going to where the food is. Let's go, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> right. And they would do it all at once. Yeah, all at once for some reason. And so these migrations, they would be they'd be running through the forest. They'd be running across fields. They'd be swimming across rivers. And apparently, I, in at least one account I saw, um, they would be gulped up by bass in the rivers. And I can't imagine seeing oh anything Lord. worse than a squirrel being eaten by a fish. <laughs> that seems unnatural. Yeah, but there were so many of them. This is also at a time where squirrels were roundly, among basically everyone living in America, viewed as vermin, as um, uh, invaders, as things that were unwanted, but also a tasty food source, too. So anytime there was a squirrel stampede, uh, the yokels would run out with their sticks and bags and beat squirrels to death and then cook them and sell their pelts and do all sorts of things with them. And one of the reasons why they were viewed as vermin, Chuck, is because on these squirrel migrations and other times where they were just, you know, if you were unlucky with your planting— um, those squirrels might see as a food source the crops you just planted, all those seeds, and would dig yeah. them up and ruin your year's crops in a day or so. So pe- squ- people didn't like squirrels for a very long time. And this idea of squirrels being everywhere, these little mammals living among us like you were talking about earlier, that's fairly new. And that's actually very deliberate and purposeful because squirrels were basically gone uh, up until about the mid to late 19th century in America. Yeah, I mean, between being hunted because people hated them uh, on their farms, 
uh, like you said, people and people still and like uh, generally in certain parts of like Appalachia still eat squirrel on the menu. It is a little mm-hmm. gamey from what I'm told. I'm never going to eat a squirrel, but they still use pelts. But that kind of, you know, just like they would eat any larger mammal and use their pelts, they would just get crafty with, you know, as, as small as a squirrel. And certainly in times of, uh, you know, real need, uh, you know, small rodents would come in handy on the menu back then. But uh, they were almost gone. Uh, we started growing more urban in the 1800s, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they were killing squirrels as fast as they could. And in the 1840s and 50s, there were so few squirrels that they were uh, introduced to city parks but not many at first. They were just like this weird curiosity where you would go out kind of like bird watching and you would like try to spot a squirrel running around because right. it was such a novel thing. Uh, but then by the time Frederick Law Olmsted, who, by the way, deserves uh, his own podcast, mm-hmm. came along and really introduced the idea of these really large city parks and urban parks, uh, they introduced a lot of squirrels to these parks and they really, really like – that that's kind of why we have the squirrels we have today was right. from this movement to reintroduce them in, in a big way to urban parks. Yeah, and um, I mean, we talk kind of a lot about that whole idea in our Central Park episode, this idea that, you know, they just kept building the city and building the city and building the city and people started going crazy because there weren't green spaces. So that it, that brought the parks in and then the, the idea of adding animals to the park just to kind of naturalize it even more um, – that squirrels played a huge role in that. Um, and not only, you know, in Central Park, but also it started out in, I believe, Philadelphia and then followed by Boston. And um, so by the the mid to late 19th century, that's when squirrels started to reestablish themselves. And the way that people saw squirrels started to change too. And there was this idea that um, they weren't vermin anymore. Don't shoot them. Please try not to hit them with a stick. Instead, Let's go to the park, spend some time outside, and bring some nuts with you and maybe feed the squirrels. And not only you feed the squirrels, but you got a little kid. That little kid wants to hit that squirrel with a stick so bad (laughs) because kids are are awful like that. Good luck. But you can actually use squirrels, feeding squirrels, as a way to teach kids to have compassion, to um, be upstanding morally, to have charity. Um, And that was kind of how the, the whole interaction between humans and squirrels was kind of framed uh, around that time, like the late 19th, early 20th century. Yeah, the Boy Scout uh, co-founder Ernest Thompson Seton uh, said that squirrels and introducing them to to boys in general would say uh, would cure them of their tendency toward cruelty. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I said, good luck a second ago. How do you hit a? I mean, I guess if there's a stampede, but you show me a kid that can get a squirrel and hit it with a stick. And that's a future Olympian. Sure. There's no way. Those things are so fast. Uh, but don't try to do it, kids. Definitely No, not. don't even practice that. Don't try to qualify for the Olympics and that because you'll show up to the Olympics. They'll be like, we don't we don't have that. <laughs> That's not our, one of our sports. See, what do you think you this hick? is, Australia? <laughs> right. Uh, so these days, you know, we've kind of come full circle into just sort of letting squirrels be. Uh, there are, you know, if you're a hunter in the United States – it, and that may be the tradition in your family if you live out in the country to start off your child with hunting squirrels uh, with a little twenty two rifle or something mm-hmm. to as practice to teach young hunters. Uh, I'm certainly not into that, but I'm not going to judge you if that's your thing. And like I said, people still do eat squirrel uh, in certain parts of the United States today. 
Um, I guess we can talk. I mean, we found a lot of extra fun stuff. Well, well, let's talk about. So we were talking about how they're viewed in America. They're, depending on where you are in the world and depending on the squirrel you're talking about, they're actually, they can be viewed quite negatively. Sure. Um, I remember in our rewilding episode, we talked about how eastern gray squirrels are considered an invasive species in Italy, um, where they call them Americans killer squirrels. Um, and there's also an issue with eastern gray squirrels in Europe, where they've killed off most of the Eurasian red squirrels over there. Oh, that's true. Um, be, they've just outcompeted them. It's not like they've, you know, choked them or anything like that they <laughs> they just they're like almost twice as big they're yeah. a lot more ornery and they've just kind of diminished the the number of um of eurasian red squirrels in the uk so much so that three quarters of the population lives in scotland and i would just like to direct everybody to the um scottish squirrels website go to scottish squirrels.org.uk and this is very important slash about and on their about page, the header image is maybe the cutest squirrel you'll ever see in your entire life. Is that the one you sent uh, me and Jerry? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the cutest squirrel ever? It's pretty cute. Uh, you also sent something else. If you go to rspca.org.uk mm-hmm. slash advice and welfare slash wildlife slash animals slash gray squirrels slash feeding. Mm-hmm. Or you could just Google feeding squirrels and using nest boxes. You're going to see a squirrel with a chicken wing in its mouth. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty better, cute, too. It's better than a bass eating a squirrel, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, that's a good article you sent because it talks about if you like squirrels around, which I certainly do, creating a good habitat for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, trees, obviously, is a good thing to have. Not cutting down trees is a great thing to do if you can avoid it. Yeah. Uh, and then having squirrel-safe bird feeders, uh, and this means – not that the squirrels can't get to that seed because they, as you have attested, they will find a way. Life finds a way. Right. Uh, but th- it don't, won't trap the squirrel inside of it. No, um, that's, that's a big one, too. They also kind of get into, um, they get all Macbeth or Hamlet. Which one was <laughs> to be or not to be? <laughs> Why are you asking me this and putting because me Because they the get all Hamlet or Macbeth on whether or not to um, feed squirrels. There you go. <laughs> Um, so they're, they're like, oh, you could feed squirrels, but really you shouldn't. And the RSPCA takes, I think, a pretty sensible tact, which is b- build a habitat for the squirrels and that you're planting the right kind of trees that provide a place for them to nest and a place for them to get food and then just yeah. step back and enjoy them. That should but be enough. if you're like, you know, me and Mo, and you go on walks or whatever and you want to feed the squirrels, there are some things that are better for squirrels than others. And it's basically you want to give them what they would naturally eat, um, which is mast, uh, unshelled nuts like walnuts, chestnuts, acorns, hazelnuts, that kind of thing. Sunflower and, seeds probably, huh? Yes, but not black safflower seeds. I saw that if you are one of those people who can't stand squirrels raiding your um, bird feeder, mm-hmm. black safflower seeds are, they'll eat them, but they're not crazy about them. And the, most birds like them instead. So that's one way to do it. But you can also feed them vegetables too. And Chuck, they included this little tip that I didn't realize, but if, you, if you're feeding squirrels or leaving food out for squirrels in your yard and you have a garden that you care about, you don't really want the squirrel taking the food and then burying it elsewhere. So they said if you're going to feed them sh- fruits and vegetables, shred it because it, yeah. the, the squirrel's just going to eat it there. It's not going to try to bury it. I thought that was smart. Yeah, and if you have the nuts, don't give them uh, like honey-roasted almonds. Like 
unsweetened, unsalted stuff. Uh, I have set up, you know, I have a camp cam at the family camp, a mm-hmm. uh, trail cam, and it's uh, it's keyed in on my deer feeder that I got, uh, which is corn. And I've seen one deer, but almost every night I have scores of raccoons. Nice. And almost every day, well, every day, I have squirrels, crows, and now daily uh, turkeys visiting. Oh, neat. Lots and lots of turkeys. So uh, I don't care that the deer aren't visiting. It's uh, all kinds of animals are coming around. It's always fun to watch on the camp cam. That is very cool. Um, One thing you want to be careful with with peanuts, too, is giving them raw peanuts because peanuts can carry um, an aflatoxin, which is very... It's not good. It's not good for squirrels. It's not good for humans either. It's a type of uh, fungus, I think, that actually is not only carcinogen or carcinogenic. It can actually, like, just kill you on on, on the spot, neurologically speaking. Um, so it's, you actually want roasted peanuts, but not salted or anything like that. So raw, like plain roasted peanuts. Or what's even better, because it helps with their teeth, are mass nuts. Again, like pecans, right. walnuts, that kind of stuff. But a lot of people say, don't feed squirrels, because you're actually, what you're doing is, as we've seen, if squirrels know that there's a lot of food, they're going to mate, 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 and there's going to be a lot of squirrels, and they're going to become dependent on that additional food supply. Yeah. Um, and they might start showing up at your neighbor's house. They might start burrowing into your attic. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of things that... To, to take into consideration, I guess. Yeah. Well, the family camp, there's nothing but wood. So I hope we get overrun. So I agree with you. So you found a couple of cool things, um, including why squirrels like seem to dash in front of your car when you're driving, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and again, I love that we've just finally found answers for this stuff because this is kind of uh, a fun, non-obnoxious fact to jump on, uh, to drop on someone mm-hmm. if you're driving around. Uh, a neighborhood and the squirrel does that thing and people go, why do squirrels do that? We can say, well, it's actually an evolutionary instinct Mm -hmm. uh, to get away from a predator. So if you run out and you initially freeze when there's a predator, the predator is sort of like a football player waiting for the defensive player to make their move. Mm -hmm. And then you go the opposite way with a little juke. And that's what the squirrel's doing. They go out, they freeze when they see that car and if it was a predator, they would wait on the predator to sort of make a move. And then they can quickly go in a direction that is really comes in handy when it's a predator, when it's a car that's going, you know, generally in a big hulking straight line. Right. Uh, it's not the same thing, but a squirrel has a squirrel brain and it doesn't realize that. So that's why a squirrel will jump out in a street, see a car and just stop. They're not dumb. They're waiting on you to make some uh, hawk-like move which doesn't happen in the car. So <laughs> what you do is you just slow down and check your rearview mirror. Don't slam on the brakes or anything, but you know, they're everywhere. And I've hit, I think maybe two squirrels in my adult life. Uh-huh. So it's not like the most common thing to run over a squirrel. Yeah. I ran over one once and my brother-in-law said that he was on his way to buy a birthday present for his young kid who was waiting forever for their dad to come back for his birthday present for his party. Yeah, it was not helpful. <laughs> uh, and what about these black squirrels? Uh, Emily and I were taking a walk through Brooklyn one day and mm-hmm. saw a black, black, black squirrel. Not just a hint of black, and it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I've since seen a few more here and there in New York, and we have the answer there too, right? Yes, 
Uh, they seem to be, so they they used to think that they were freaks of nature, I think as one um, naturalist put it like years and years ago. And somebody said, I don't know if that's true. I think these actually might have been the dominant version. Uh, they, they seem to be closely related to eastern grays, if not just a type of eastern gray, like a different breed of that species. Um, but they, they were saying they used to possibly be the dominant version and they got edged out by the eastern gray. And so they're, they're, they're there, they're just kind of uh, infrequently, they infrequently appear. But there are parts of um, North America where they seem to populate more than others, like New York. Uh, you mean I um, used to see them in D.C., Toronto. Mm-hmm. They're all over Toronto. Um, in Ontario in general, from what I understand. So it seems like from what I could tell that they think that they're, they were there already and now we're just kind of seeing them in like this kind of moment in time where their numbers have diminished tremendously, where if we went back in time, we might see a lot more. Is that, does that seem accurate? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just genetics. It's a recessive gene that causes an abnormal pigmentation. And you will, you know, you're, you're only going to get more of that recessive gene if these squirrels or any uh, you know creature is reproducing in a in a smaller area, so if you've got a contained population, like let's mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. an island like New York or, or Ontario, uh, apparently Roosevelt Island has a lot of them. Yeah, uh, you're just going to see more of them. So uh, DC is a little not inexplicable, but it makes more sense in New York because you're just going to get more you know uh, more of this recessive gene happening. Mm-hmm. In a smaller so not, area, so not at all my explanation then. No, it's your explanation. <laughs> no, you nailed it. And this uh, was an article, "The Mysterious Black Squirrels of NYC," from what turns out to be a really good website called UntappedCities.com, mm-hmm. and uh, writer Michelle Young. It's it's a really cool read. Um, yeah. So you got anything else on squirrels? Nothing. And hug a squirrel. Embrace yeah. a squirrel. But but don't do that. Don't not, and not if literally. you do feed them, don't don't let them eat out of your hand. Yeah, because they'll bite you, even though they're grateful. They're still bitey. Um, and since I said that, everybody, it's time for listener mail. That's right, and it's a great listener mail because we get to say hello to a uh, kindergarten class, which is always fun. Hello, <laughs> hi, Mr. Chuck and Mr. Josh. Uh, my name is Katie, uh, it's either Fink or Finky, and I'm emailing with my kindergarten class in Baltimore City. We sometimes listen to your show, and we were so excited when you heard you mentioned the Three Sisters in the recent Watermelon episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually spent a whole weekend learning about the Three Sisters this fall and wanted to share with you our excitement. Uh, we hope you do a short stuff on them soon. We definitely will. Uh, if you need some Three Sisters experts, we wanted to uh, tell you these facts that we learned this year. Oh, yes. Uh, And here's a little short list. Native Americans would plant fish first in the ground to prepare the soil and make it healthy and rich. Love that. Uh, The corn grows so tall, it holds up the beans. Mm. And the squash keeps the soil moist, so the other two sisters have enough water to stay hydrated. And finally, all three of the sisters are dried so that people can save them to eat later in the winter, which is a great uh, benefit. So... Uh, we really want to share our knowledge in case you do a short stuff. Thanks for reading. Love, Miss Finky's or Miss Fink's kindergarten class. And uh, like I said, this is in Baltimore City. Man, that's really impressive. Like, I remember in kindergarten, I was learning yeah. red. Uh-huh. Red. <laughs> red. 
I wasn't learning about the three sisters and ground covers, like keeping the moisture in place for the other two. I mean, come on, that's really impressive. This week, red. <laughs> I think it was more like that month. Yeah, February's red month. <laughs> right. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you, uh, Miss Fink or Finky's class. Hats off to you guys. Keep it up. Uh, and yes, we will definitely do a Three Sisters episode someday dedicated to you guys. Right, Chuck? For sure. If you want to get in touch with us, you can too via email at stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island. It becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.